Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. And we're starting a new series um, at this time. Um, and that's to do with the fruit of the Spirit. We've been looking at the gifts of the Spirit, some of the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, we're going to work our way through the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, what do I mean by the fruit of the Spirit? Well, that is uh, spoken about in uh, Paul's, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 5. And this is, this is what he says there. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And uh, so we're going to be focusing on those fruits. And um, next week, actually, uh, I've invited Mark Ritchie to come and share uh, on love. Um, but what I've done this time is is divide the first one into two. And it was just something that I felt I wanted to do. Um, because I think it's so easy just to lock in, okay, we're speaking about love. I've heard all this before. I know I showed love, etc. And, uh, and, and Mark's going to be coming to speak about how the Spirit of God gives us the ability to love. But I wanted to start in a different place. And so I want to I wanna put this uh, seed of thought in, in your mind. In order to truly love, you must know you are truly loved. In order to truly love, you must first know you are truly loved. And this is the, the road I want to take for us in this these few minutes that we've got together, allow me to pray, if you would. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here to help us not only just comprehend intellectually what uh, is being said today, but to catch something in our heart and our spirit. Father, we take authority over everything, every hindrance that would seek to snatch our attention, to steer us away from that which the Spirit of God is saying to us. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us to, to not just um, give mental cognizance to what is being said, but we would receive deeply a new revelation of the love of God in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm not quite sure where the phrase mental cognizance came from. It just came to me in prayer and I probably won't be using that for quite some time to come, if ever. But anyway, so I think that this actually, it comes from a deep place within me because I think that a lot of us would understand the theory of love. And yet when we're talking about the things of the Spirit, when, we, when we're talking about what the Bible teaches us about love, this isn't just 
to do with what I know I should do. It's not about me, okay, yeah, I need to work harder at this. Oh, yeah, I need to put more effort in here. I think that when we think like this, we really miss what the Spirit of God is trying to get us to understand. You see, knowing starts with believing. What I believe is really important. More, I would say that more important than what I know is what I believe because what I believe will influence everything. I can know things. I can know the theory, but what I believe will seriously impact that. Belief is to do with the heart. It starts with the heart. And I may believe in God, but it's ultimately what I believe about God that will impact my relationship with him and the way I walk out my faith. See, in John 3.16, the Bible says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. A powerful and well-known scripture. I want to also throw in another powerful scripture that is pivotal to what we're looking at today. Romans 8 verses 37 to 39 says, No, in all these things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Two very powerful scriptures. Many of us know them. But I want to suggest to us today that there needs to be something more than, than just knowing, knowing about them. Are these, are these in your heart? Are these, do these penetrate to the deepest part of your being. The truth is, and this is, in these scriptures, we understand two things. Firstly, we are loved unconditionally. And secondly, we are loved continuously. We are loved continuously. We are loved unconditionally. And we can do nothing to earn this love, all we can do is receive it. I think it's an important thing just to look again. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. It was, it was the love of God. It was God's love that caused him to send Jesus into the world. 
This proves, actually, that, that Jesus, Jesus, the love of God and the fact he sent Jesus was not because of our good behavior, because the world was messed up. You know, it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. You know, uh, it's an incredible thing that the, the, the love of God sent his son to redeem humanity. But it's important and a very important thing to understand that it was, it was not because we were sinners. It was not because we were great. It was, it was nothing to do with any of those things. It was to do with God's love that sent Jesus into the world. So the first scripture proves that it's nothing to do with my behavior because I was far from God, the world was far from God, and yet God loved me. Even when I was far from God, God loved me enough to send Jesus. God loved you enough to send Jesus. And then secondly, the, 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 the second scripture proves that there's nothing I can do to separate myself from that love. There's nothing either from the heavens above or the earth below that, it, that can separate you or I from the love of God. That is an incredibly powerful and should be an incredibly comforting thought. And Paul said, I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced that, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. I want to just ask you today, are you convinced? Am I convinced? Are you convinced that God loves you unconditionally and that there is nothing that can separate you from God's love? You see, we need, you and I, we need to believe that we are loved unconditionally and have been loved continually. I'm going to say that again. We need to believe in the deepest part of our being that we are loved unconditionally and have been loved continually. And I say that because if I don't get that, if I'm not convinced of that, if, not, if I've not had a revelation of that factor, then it certainly will impact my ability to receive love and secondly, my ability to give love. I want to say that, you know, I'm preaching it today. But it has not been the easiest thing to grasp. Um, I think that um, I, I believed um, that I was, I, I believed I was more lovable. I believed I was more loved by God when I behaved perfectly. Guess what? I didn't behave perfectly very often at all. And so I was living in this space of feeling that I was always walking in the shadow 
of God's disapproval. I knew theoretically that he loved me, but I just also felt that he kind of tolerated me. And it was some while ago now, but, but God began to challenge me as to why I would think in that way. And I'll be honest, you know, um, some of it is very much to do with the way I was brought up. And, and I think that some of you maybe will be able, able to relate to some of, of this. And, you know, listen, this is not an opportunity for me to diss my mom and dad. They did the best they could with with what they had. They, they didn't know God and, uh, and all that's, that's dealt with. But we, we can't deny the fact that some of the way they did things impacted my life, just like some of the way your parents did or didn't do things impacted your life. And, and, and one of the ways that, if you like, um, was, I became aware of that was evident in my childhood is that for me, my parents, if I, if I misbehaved or I did something that they felt was wrong, um, they withdrew um, affection. They withdrew the evidence of their love when the way I was behaving or the way I was living did not meet their expectations. They became distant, they withdrew affection, and they used silence as a weapon. Now, as a child, that meant two things. It meant that I then, because it was a horrible, intolerable set of circumstances, particularly when you're young. And so what I, you know, later learned that I did, I never realized at the time, it was just something that I found myself doing. But what I did was, I sought to earn back their love. How did I seek to earn back their love? How did I seek to earn back their affection? Through good behavior, by being extra good. Um, and it was all to get back into their affections, get back to uh, into their uh, to being approved of, and um, and I realised in particularly in the early days of me following Jesus that I um, dragged this dysfunctional model of love into my relationship with God. What do I mean by that? That I thought that God was the same, that that he loved me when I was doing well, when I was performing well, when I was living perfectly. But when I didn't, what I and that was often, as I've said, I earned his disapproval and believed that he withdrew his affection from me. And so I found myself in this cycle of continually seeking to get back into his favor. I had been conditioned by a type of love that was conditional on my performance. I had been conditioned by a type of love 
that was conditional on my performance. And this is not what the love of God is. I have to say, it, it also influenced how I expressed love. Um, so I, I would find myself doing loving things in order to win approval and favor from others. Um, this means that in truth, what were actually or apparently uh, acts of love, they were tools that I was using to earn affection, to earn approval, to earn favor. And how can I put it? It's like, yeah, I buy you um, a bar of chocolate, but I want you to share that with me. So I'm, I'm giving you something, but I want you to share that with me because my giving that to you is a route for me to feel that I am loved and approved of by you. So another way of putting it was if I do you a favor, then I would keep a tally in my mind um, and and want and expect you to do a favor in return. I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, um, and I would expect that because I was looking for love. I was looking for favor. I was looking for approval, and I was using these tools to get that. Again, this is not God's model of love. If I'm saying nice things to you in order to get you to say nice things to me, I am really missing the point. And a good test is when I find myself getting resentful or angry when you have not done what I expected you to do, then that is a good test that the love I was expressing had hooks in it. I was fishing for a response. It looked like I was expressing love, but I was fishing for a response. There's, there's a verse in Proverbs 23, verses 6 to 8, that, that says something similar to this. It says, do not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies, for he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten and you will have wasted your compliments. I mean, not the greatest of, of scriptures, but it's, it's saying that your heart, your attitude, your thoughts are really powerfully uh, interwoven uh, with what love will do in the end, what true love will do in the end. Essentially, what I've been talking about isn't love at all. It had the appearance of love, but ultimately it was manipulative. It was seeking 
to fill an emotional black hole in my own life. And I was seeking to fill that hole in my own strength. But if if you can relate, I need you to understand that trying to, to fill that emotional black hole in that way is exhausting, it's ineffective, and it's counterfeit. So if that's the counterfeit, what is true? What is real? If I can't, through good behavior, earn favor, then what what do I have to do? Well, let me tell you a story and I want you to use your imagination. Imagine um, that uh, you have you have a son or you have a daughter and, uh, and they come to you one day and they say, hey, I'm tired of being in this house. You know, I'm tired of you telling me what to do. I want you. I want you to give me uh, my inheritance now. I want you. I want you to give me everything that you are going to give me right now because I want to get out of here and I want to leave. And uh, and then that son or that daughter, you know, maybe, I don't know, the father uh, uh, or the mother um, mortgages their home, gives them the, the, the portion of their inheritance. And, and let's imagine that that, that uh, son or daughter, um, as they left, they also stole some jewelry because they didn't feel that the, the money was enough. And um, they disappear and, you know, you, you, you text them and you, and you email and you, and you do everything. You call them, uh, it always just goes to voicemail. You leave messages, there's no response. Ultimately, you call and you call and eventually your emails bounce back and when you call, it doesn't ring anymore. And your whole way of, of reaching your son or your daughter has gone. And, and this goes on for years. There is, there is nothing. There is no communication. And then one day, or one night, should I say, it's two o'clock in the morning, there's knocking at the door, the doorbell's going, there's knocking at the door, and you, wiping sleep from your eyes, come downstairs, and there they are. There they are, stood in the doorway, swaying backwards and forwards, eyes glazed from, I don't know, the last drink or the last drug they've taken, they have been clearly sleeping rough. They've vomited down themselves. And they stand there swaying and they say, I've come home. I've come home. Now I want I want to press pause on that story. And I want you to imagine that all the family members are around, friends, good friends, people who love you are around. And I want you to imagine what they'd be saying in this moment. Um, because here we have this 
this son, this daughter who was who has not contacted you, they've taken all your money, clearly spent it all, they're standing there, not even having the uh, um, manners to, to turn up um, with uh, sober, uh, and, and, and they're standing there swaying, saying, I've come home. What do you think those people would be saying? They'd be saying, forget it. Are you, do you think, do you think that you're going to take that that son that daughter in are you are you crazy they they need to they need to learn they need to learn that they cannot behave like that they cannot treat you like that and 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 that is a very natural and very human response but it's not god's response because some of you might hear some familiarity in the story from the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And we see there a father who, without a hint of disappointment in his eyes, went running out to meet his son, stinking of the pig pen, and he brought him home. And he poured favor and acceptance on him. I want to say that that is what the love of God is like. It cannot, it will not be earned. I don't deserve it. It is freely given. And I believe that I cannot truly love until I know that I am loved with that kind of love. It means that I love from a place of fullness. John 8 verse 36 said, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I believe that it is this kind of love that sets you free. In comparison... My human love, my human capacity for love is a little tiny bucket that if you, you, can, you can actually come and remove the, the water in that bucket and it will eventually run out. I can drain the bucket dry. But God's love is not like that. It's not a tiny bucket. It is a river flowing through your garden and I believe that if we're going to truly love then we need to understand the source of that love comes from the borders beyond the borders of our own garden maybe maybe that's what Jesus meant when he spoke to the 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 Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 maybe that's what he meant you know when he talked to her this woman had been seeking for love all her life. She tried in her own strength to meet her need for love, her need for acceptance in the arms of other men. And Jesus called her out. He said, hey, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now isn't even your husband. You, you've had six, you've tried six men to, to fill that void that's in your life. He said, you've given your body to all these men, but if you give your heart to me, the seventh man the the seventh man the the perfect 
man. If you give your heart to me, then I will cause springs of living water to well up inside of you. I will, I will pour such love into your life that your, the love that flows from you will flow from that river of love I've poured into you. It's a supernatural love that is placed in our hearts. Romans 5 verse 5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can love unconditionally because I have been loved unconditionally. But not my tiny bucket kind of love, God's supernatural river of love throwing, flowing through me. This is not about me just trying to love. This is about me accessing a supernatural love that God has placed in me. It's not just about me trying to do good deeds. I actually want to. I find that supernaturally a desire has been placed within me to love beyond that which my natural human capacity is able to love. It means that I can forgive those who don't even deserve my forgiveness. Why? Because I've been forgiven and I did not deserve forgiveness either. I want you to understand that we can love because the love of God is in our lives. God loves me with the kind of love that in spite of everything I've done, without a hint of disappointment in his eyes, he draws me close, he welcomes me home, and he says, I love you. I love you unconditionally, and I have loved you continually. First John chapter 4 verse 19, we love because he first loved us. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK. 